Um, I'm very, very, again, uh, humbled and grateful to be asked by the staff to be able to be uh, preaching before you. Uh, and today, as uh, the pastoral staff has talked about, and as Andrew talked about, is embarking on uh, this new sermon series, When You Pray, um, it is one of those things where I realize that prayer, um, what is prayer? What is it? Because it's interesting that we sometimes make it much more complicated than what it is down to the basics, right? We know we're talking to a holy God. We know we're talking to a being that is far superior than us and we have no right to ever be able to approach him except for the fact that he says, come, right? But what is prayer? And why is it at times that when we're called to pray, in certain moments, we go, and we don't know what to say. Do you ever look at a two-year-old and sit there and say, what do you need to tell me? And they go, me want candy. I don't know. That's probably blow it. They probably, I speak like that. But, you know, but me, you know I, me want candy. And we look at them and go, how dare you not use proper grammar? What's wrong with you, two-year-old? How can you not speak in a more eloquent way? If you do that, we need to have a discussion, right? Because you would never view a two-year-old in that moment. Let me share with you that when we come before God, especially in Christ, we are his children. He desires a deep, intimate dialogue and conversation with us. When we pray, it is an intimate two-way conversation in which we talk and listen to God. It is an intimate conversation in trusting him, his character, his promises, his will for us, his will for others, and for the world around us. It is about us aligning our lives to God, not him doing what we want. Because when we pray, we are saying, God, you are always right. I don't have it all figured out. And so thus I come to you in prayer. Help me to be more like you, to think more like you, to love more like you, to know what your will is, not just what I want. This intimate two-way conversation. We start this uh, sermon series uh, as we go to uh, Matthew. So if you want to turn your Bibles there, Matthew chapter 6. And so we go to the Sermon on the Mount. And the Sermon on the Mount is interesting because a lot of people look at the Sermon on the Mount and they begin to say, well, this is how we are supposed to live and so it's this idea that the Sermon on the Mount is this ethic about how to live. Uh, and I will argue uh, that I think that that is uh, in some ways right, but in many ways wrong. Because the Sermon on the Mount talks to those that are going to walk in this new kingdom about how it is to relate and be in relationship with God. Because if it's all about just doing an ethic, we go back to what we're going to do. We go about being our works and what we're going to do. But the Sermon on the Mount starts to give us an ethic. The law said don't murder. What did Jesus say? Okay, thou shalt not murder, thou shalt not kill. We know that. 
Absolutely. Thank you. I appreciate it. See, you speak up. I appreciate that. Thank you. You're like going, don't draw attention to me, Sean. I'll never do it again. I got you, okay? What did Jesus say? We know not to murder. What did Jesus say? What? Okay, I know. I'm not supposed to ask questions. What? Love your enemies, right? Love your enemies. And if you have hatred in your heart, you have You've murdered. The law was hard enough. Jesus just sits there and goes, eh. Make it even harder. The law was meant to make us go, oh my goodness, how can I possibly do this? God, if you don't do so, I can't even live up to this. I have failed. Now Jesus hits it even higher. Love your enemies. I don't know or have the ability to do that on my own. Do you? So what it does is it teaches us to depend and grow closer to Christ. We need a savior, one who cleanses us, but one who also helps us to relate to him. Dependency upon God. The Sermon on the Mount is not an ethic about how to live out. It is about a growing relationship of God. The things that you desire, I cannot do unless I am totally dependent upon you, and I can only do that through dying to self and being raised in Jesus Christ. That's it. There is no other way. There is no other way. But when Jesus starts, he begins to say this, and listen. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. For they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, you they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Before Jesus ever gets into what we would call the Lord's Prayer, he begins to say, you all have already been seeing prayer around you. Jesus is telling me, you have seen how prayer has been done around you. I'm telling you, don't do it that way. You've seen it played out before you. You've seen what it looks like. Don't do it that way. He automatically says, check your motives of why you do what you do. Why is it important to check our motives? I know, don't ask questions, Sean. I get it. I understand. I appreciate you always for speaking up. I'll try not to ask any more questions. I can look outwardly like I'm doing the wrong thing, but inwardly my motives can be very selfish, very manipulative, very controlling, right or wrong. Anybody here done the right outward action, but you were being manipulative on the inside? Ooh, a little confession. Good, two, we're close to revival. Four, five, look at that. Now we're moving, all right. We are called to check our motives, to be conscious and aware. For us to be aware, and more importantly, God, sift through my heart that I would do what is pleasing to you and not what is self-fulfilling to me. 
as we start out with this, this first point. This is when you pray, not if you pray. When you pray. There was an expectation, and always has been of God, that there would be an intimate dialogue with him. Always. Always. In the Garden of Eden, we see before the fall and even after the fall, there was an intimacy that God had with Adam and Eve. They walked, they talked, all these things were taking place. There was intimacy. Even after the fall, God comes and clothes them and still has interaction with them, although sin has completely eradicated the way the relationship was supposed to be. God comes and has intimate conversation with Abraham, with Moses, with Elijah. Jesus himself, God in flesh, comes down and he has intimate conversations, not only with the disciples, but also with outcasts that all of society said, you shouldn't talk to them, yet Jesus does. And drawing them into a relationship with him. This intimate conversation. When you pray. Church, I want to encourage us. We need to be a praying people. Anybody struggle with prayer? I know you're not supposed to ask that question or raise hands. I know I'm still asking questions. Anybody struggle with prayer? It's hard at times. It's hard at times. The discipline to do it. What am I supposed to say? Okay, Lord, I've told you everything I need. Took about 30 seconds. Now what? And yet, what God is looking for is for us to not just be about our needs, but to be in this intimate dialogue with him and to sometimes, shh, listen. Listen, I've realized this is this beautiful image that God has given of marriage with my wife that I have been able to be blessed with for 21 years. I'm very thankful for her. And I have realized that God has used this to be able to show me many things. I don't listen. My wife begins to tell me something about what's going on at work or something else that she's going. She goes, I'm trying to figure out this new thing or I'm trying to figure out this new thing or I'm trying to figure it out. And as soon as she goes out, I'm like going, let me fix it. Shh, let me fix all your problems, woman. Shh, and I start to problem solve. And she looks at me and she goes, I know how to do it. I know how to handle it. I was just sharing with you. Now you, shh. And you know what? She's right. Too many times we're ready to tell God, this is what you should do, how you should do it, how to fix it, what to do. Da, 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 da. Shh. I think he knows what he's doing. But he does ask for us to listen, to be a part of this. When you pray, God expects it. Well, Sean, I've tried it and I mess up at times. If you're like a two-year-old and he is the parent is he looking for you to have this deep, amazing words? Is he looking for you to say, you're growing in conversation. Pray, pray, pray. When you pray, it is an expectation. As it goes on, we go to our second point. When you pray, again, 
Check your motives. Check your motives. As a Christian, if you are a Christian in prayer, check your motives. Why is it that you are praying? Listen to what it goes on and says. You must not be like the hypocrites. Say one thing, do another. Do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. In context of this, uh, it is interesting that the Jews uh, at times would take three times a day in order to pray. We see this in the Old Testament uh, after the Babylonians have exiled uh, part of the Jewish nation. But we see this with Daniel. Right? Daniel ended up at times, how many times a day did he pray? Don't ask questions anymore. I get it. Three times. And as he prayed, he prayed three times a day. We find this out actually in Psalms 55. In 55, 16, it says, But I called to God, and the Lord will save me. Evening and morning and at noon, I utter my complaint and moan, and he hears my voice. The religious and Pharisees and teachers of the law also would go through this at times and pray three times a day. But it's interesting if you know that you're going to have to pray three times a day. You know where you're going to be at possibly at noon, right? So if all of a sudden you're like going, huh, I got 20 minutes to kill. Wonder what I should be doing. I'll just happen to stroll over slowly in front of the synagogue, 12 o'clock. Lord, I just want you to know that I'm here telling you how great you are. And Lord, I want you to know that I'm just... They would plan it to be in the right places at the right moment to be able to look how holy they were. They planned it to make sure that everybody would think, I have a better relationship with God than you ever will. So Jesus called them on it. Don't be like the hypocrites. They stand praying in the synagogues. They go to places. They do things in order to be seen. I tell you, they have their reward. Now, church, I want to say this. The Bible does not prohibit public prayer. So let's not make this an extreme. Jesus is not saying in prohibiting public prayer. What he's saying is this. If the only time you pray is going to be in public, there's a real issue of what's going on in your life. He goes on and says this. He does say that when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. But Jesus is not saying don't pray in public. What he's saying is this, if you pray in public, what's your reason for praying in public? What's your reason? Because if your reason is to try to communicate to somebody else, you have your reward, but it isn't from God. If you're going to pray and you're going to make a stand, let me share with you, you have your reward, but it's not intimacy with God. If you want your reward 
It's to make sure that you're constantly doing it because you want to talk with God. Your reward will be found in the intimacy. It will be found in when you go into your closet. Intimacy. If you're going to pray in public, this is going to be, this may not sound right. If you pray over your lunch in public, why do you do it? Are you doing it in order because this is what you normally do and you're talking to God? Or are you trying to make a statement that you're a Christian? I'm going to be very loving to you as a member of this church. If you're making a statement instead of talking to God, you're using prayer for the wrong reason. You don't need to make a statement by prayer. You need to pray to God. Students going back to school, I don't know what they call it now, but see you at the pole. Is that what they call it now? That's a beautiful thing. I think it's wonderful. It's great. I remember doing it when I was in high school, but let me share with you. Do not go to prove to your friends that you're a Christian. Go to talk to God. And then after you've been at the pole to talk to God, go home into your room when nobody's looking and talk to God. Make sure it's about talking to God. If we're trying to make statements, we've missed the purpose of prayer. Church, it scares me now that we're starting to, at times, use prayer to make political statements or trying to use prayer. to make... Prayer is only to God. And if we ever get it backwards, let me share with you, you and I got our reward. But it won't be to God and it won't be coming from God. You just communicated to the world, I'm a prayer. But you didn't talk to God the way that he desired. The wrong priority was there. Should we have moments of public prayer? You better believe it. Are there moments that we should go and pray in all kinds of places? You better believe it. But it better be with the right motive. Because if not, God's like going, oh, this wasn't about me. It was about you. You just tagged my name onto it. I'm not going to bless it. That's what Jesus tells us here. Again, it doesn't prohibit public prayer. It checks our motives of why we pray. But when you pray, go into your room, shut the door, and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father sees in secret will reward you. If you want to see God do amazing things, pray to Him. Pray to Him. Regardless of where you're at, Pray to him. But I'll encourage you, if the only time that you pray is in public and you don't pray in private, why are you praying in public? Why? Make sure that your motives is what Jesus is telling us are right because it's intimacy with God above all. Another thing in checking our motives, and when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them. There is this belief in the ancient world that prayer and ritual sacrifice was meant to, or was to be used to manipulate the gods to do the person's will. And so thus, these sacrifices that were prescribed in um, false religions 
were prescribed and the prayers and all the things that were done were in order to manipulate the gods in order to get them to do what I want them to do. We see this, uh, we see this with Elijah and the prophets of Baal. There is no Baal. There is no real God there, but what did they do? They chanted and said the same thing from morning until noon, crying out, just repeating these phrases over and over and over again. And it's some of the best smack talk in the Bible with Elijah. Elijah's just kind of like going, is your God asleep? Speak louder. Is he in the bathroom? Maybe he can't hear you. Best smack talk of ever. I'm just telling you, it's amazing. But when Elijah prays, he is praying to God and he says, you show, you show them, you show them. It was about this, not about this. It was about intimacy with God, not about them, Elijah trying to prove something. It was God's glory to prove, not Elijah's. And thus, in this moment, we see what happens. But church, Sometimes we do the same thing. We are called to pray in Jesus' name. That's what the Bible says, amen? Absolutely. But sometimes that is taken out of context and not put with other verses of saying, if I say in Jesus' name, he'll do whatever I say. You're trying to manipulate God to where you get to be God and he gets to be your servant. If I say in Jesus' name... It'll happen. That's not what that means. That's not what that means. We don't try to come up with certain formulas in order to get God to move. It is not about your choice of words. I don't say this to be a moment of looking down on somebody because I've done the same things. I've done the same things. But have you ever watched that moment? And again, if you're being intimate with God, I'm not talking about you, but I'm just saying this. Have you, ever, have you ever been around people that when they pray, all of a sudden they go into King James mode when they pray? Listen, I'm not judging whether you're intimate with God. What I'm saying is this. There are people that pray that way because they're trying to impress with the right words, not with intimacy with God. I can't judge your motives. It's none of my business, right? So I'm not judging you, but I'm saying this. There are examples of people praying that they would never pray in private, that they pray in public. There are people that use in Jesus' name as a formula not to be intimate with God, but to manipulate him to do what I want. There are people that think you gotta say it this way or use these words or do this in order to get God to do what I want him to do. Do you know what God wants from you? Total intimacy and submission to say, come to me broken as you are, trust me. This is what I desire. You, as you are, being honest and intimate and trusting me to say who I am and what I will do. Church, the problem with the idea of the concept of magic is that when the idea in the popular sense, magic, which new age and things like that. The popular sense is, is that there has to be the right inflection stated or the right components used or the things that would happen in order to manipulate the powers to be around. I'm not so sure at times that that hasn't snuck into the church. 
Because God's not meant to be manipulated. He's meant to be intimacy with him and trusting him. In Acts 19, the seven sons of Sceva, this is another fun story. Acts 19, Paul had been casting out demons. We knew that Jesus cast out demons. But the seven sons of Sceva, Jewish exorcist, came along and they had heard what had happened in Jesus' name and they began to go to a person that was possessed and they said, you have to come out in the name of Jesus. And the demons looked and said, huh, we know Jesus, we know Paul. We don't have a clue who you are and beat that guy out there, stripped him naked, and he went running. Jesus' name is not a formula. You either know him or you don't. And if you know him, it's to be intimate in relationship. The last point as we look at this. As we come to this final part, it tells us here, do not be like them in verse 8. And then it says, For your father knows what you need before you ask him. The third point today is when you pray, prioritize presence with God. Above all else, seek intimacy with God. Above all else. You know, it's interesting because at times, this verse kind of throws us. The verse ends up saying this, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. And the question could then be, well, why pray? If he already knows what I need, why pray? Anybody ever have that question before? I've had that question at times. If you already know, why am I praying? I have two amazing young man, young girl, young woman, sorry, young woman. Very proud of my children, very thankful for my children. In the way that our schedule is now, that I have realized that I don't get to communicate with them or my wife like I used to. It is a little bit different with our schedule now. But there are things that I love to do for my family. But you know what I have realized? I love to do things for them. Every now and then, though, every now and then, because most of the time they're greatly appreciative. But every now and then, they just take it for granted that I'm going to do certain things. Right? I'm just going to do it. And then the fact of this, and then if I don't do it, they are offended. And I want you to know as a loving father, that just ticks me off. Because I'm like going, who do you think that you are that you think I have to do these things for you? Now, again, both of my children are extremely grateful. They really are. There are moments that I tick them off. True? I figure I'd get an amen from them, you know it? But, but in relationship, there's moments that I know as an earthly father, there's moments that I have messed up with them. I have to apologize. There's things that they do and we work together on stuff because of there's this intimacy. God never messes up. God, our father, right? He never messes up. But I will tell you right now, whenever we just expect him without appreciation and thankfulness and gratefulness, I just wonder kind of how he deals with that. The Bible talks about things like this, of being ungrateful, why we're called to praise him and to be thankful. Your father knows what you need before you ask him. But then the question again is, but then why do I ask? Listen to John 14, 12 through 14. 
Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do and greater works than these will he do because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. People take that and they stop right there, create an entire theology out of it. You gotta do what I say. You said you'd do anything. And then when he doesn't, I guess I'm doing it wrong or maybe God's mean or something else. But listen to this. 1 John 5, 14 and 15. And this is the confidence that we have toward him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked of him. Whatever is according to his will. James 4. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. If I'm going to pray to God and he has to do everything that I want, again, I become God and he becomes my servant, right? That's what it is. The reason I come to God in intimacy is because I know this. He's always right. I am not right. And the only reason if I ever am right is because he told me and showed me how to be right. It all comes back to him. Church, prayer is not what do I get. It is this intimacy with God that says this. You know what I need before I ask. Yes, Lord, I'm going to ask these things. But, Lord, I know this. The reason why you don't answer some of my prayers is because this. It does not bring you glory. And ultimately, it does not benefit me. Let me take that backwards. Ultimately, it does not bring glory. And the side benefit is that it won't benefit me. I'm not the, I'm not the center. He is. I remember at times we, we pray for people and God doesn't heal the way that we think. Sometimes we think, is it an inadequacy? Is it something else? Church, I'm gonna share with you right now. If God healed every single person, that would seem like the greatest thing in the world. But the problem is this. We would be avoiding the one reality in this world is that death and sin have a grip on this world. The Bible tells us that it is better to enter a house of mourning than it is to enter into a feast of celebration. Why? Because the death is the end of all things in this world. And if I don't face that I'm going to die, and I don't face the reality that this is going to end, I don't face my sin, and I don't contemplate the deeper things of what I desperately need, it's not just a temporary healing, which God can provide and has done. Amen? But ultimately, he is not here to heal everybody. He is here to glorify himself to get people to realize they need a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. If you are going to pray, it is a beautiful thing in order to feed someone if they're hungry. But Jesus is not here to feed everyone that they would never starve in their bellies. We are called to do things and to help out with needs. But even Jesus, after he fed the 5,000, they continue to follow after him. He didn't feed them again. He was trying to get them to check their motives. What did they really need in this world? They needed a desperate relationship with him. Church, we're, we should pray for people to find healing. Physically, mentally, emotionally, 
Bible tells us, but I'm going to share with you right now. If he doesn't, it's not because he doesn't like the person or it's not because there's something inadequate with me. Sometimes the reason he doesn't do it is because it does not bring him glory. Do you know some of the people that he's chosen not to heal has been one of the greatest things ever because they have to wrestle with God and some of those people have come to a life-saving change of a decision to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. Do you know that? Sometimes God doesn't answer our prayers because we don't realize the destruction they would cause by being answered the way our will wants to be done. But when I'm in intimacy with God and I'm praying, even when it seems like he's saying no, and sometimes he is, it's this. The closer I get to knowing his character, who he is and what goes on, the greater intimacy that I'm like going, I trust you. I trust you. I can be at peace in this moment. Why? Because you say who you are and you are faithful and do not lie. And I can trust your character. I can trust your promises. Yes. I have not arrived there yet. Maybe some of you all have. But here's what I know the Bible says. That's where we're called to arrive. Your will be done. Your will be done. I can be at peace because his will is always right. He loves people better than I ever will. Your will be done. Church, I ask you today, as we are a church, as members of How are we praying to God individually in our closets and as a community of believers? Are we praying in intimacy with God that his will be done or are we praying in order to look good to other people? I'll even say this. If you're called upon to pray and you're like going, I don't want to pray. Are you doing that because you don't feel like you're called to pray or are you doing that because you're worried about what other people are going to think? If you're praying out loud in order to impress people, you're worried about what people think. But if you're afraid to pray when you've been called upon and you don't want to do it because you're afraid you'll sound stupid, then you're worried about what everybody will think. We check our motives. Church, are we praying that our next student pastor meets our will or God's will? Are we praying for our next lead pastor That he would be what I want in my image or what God wants in his image for his kingdom. Are we praying or are we planning? Do we spend more time in seeking God's will or telling God how we're going to make this will happen? Church, it's the reminder. God knows what he's doing. He is faithful. Your will be done because your will is best. And I pray not in order to tell you things you don't know but to grow closer to you, to conform, to say, Lord, I want to be more like you and do what you want. Amen? He is a good God. Let us pray. Father, as we come before you today, Lord, we pray honestly with inadequate words, with sometimes our motives not being right. Father, that we come before you today and say, God, we want what you want We want to do your will, even if it's hard, God. Father, we pray today that you would check our motives. Father, forgive us when we have been selfish. Forgive us when we have been manipulative of you. Forgive us when we have tried to impress others or we have hidden from others instead of, Lord, making it all about you. And Father, we pray honestly as a church 
Lord, I'm saying that. I don't know what everybody's motives in here is. But Lord, I pray that you would check our motives, Lord, that we would be a people that are praying right now in intimacy with you to see your will be done. Because Father, at the very end, as we see you doing things that only you can do that you've done in the past, that you've done now and that you will do in the future, Father, that ultimately at the end, we will praise you yet again because you do things that only you can do. Lord, I pray today for the the person that does not know you as Lord and Savior. Father, they have tried to pray or come to church just in order to feel better about themselves. But Lord, what you want is an intimate relationship with them that's not about what they do, but what you have done upon the cross in the resurrection. Lord, I pray today that you would speak to each individual that does not know you as Lord and Savior, as you've already been drawing them and you are drawing them now. Father, that they would confess today that they have done it their way. And Lord, that they are telling you, Lord, I don't wanna do it my way anymore. I need a savior. I need one that'll cleanse me, forgive me, love me, change me, transform me. Jesus, you are it. And I give my life to follow you in what you have done with your death and the shedding of your blood and through your resurrection. I trust in you. And thus I will submit my life. Do your will. And it's in the name of Jesus Christ that we pray. Amen.